Hello, and welcome to the Art Monthly Talk Show,、uh, which invites writers to discuss further the articles in the current issue of the magazine. I'm the magazine's associate editor, Chris McCormack, and this evening I'm joined by Richard Hilton, who is cultural programmer of the James Hockey and Foyer Galleries in Farnham. Isabel Harbison, who is art critic and curator based in London, Maria Walsh, who is reader in Artists Moving Image at Chelsea College of Arts in London as well.、Uh, Isabel will be discussing the Gothenburg Biennial, Where Do I End and You Begin on Secularity, and Maria will be will be responding to Leon Wainwright's book, Phenomenal Difference: A Philosophy of Black British Art. But first, let's start with Richard Hilton's feature, Black Art UK US, which provides an exemplary look at the rise in thematic shows of Black artists' works. I wondered, Richard, if we could start with what led you to write this feature.、Um, I think it's really wanting to look at the,、um, the kind of culture that's kind of developed or actually kind of reemerged, I, I, sh- I should say, around.、Um, The、um, survey exhibition and the、um, ways in which、um, artists have been framed、um, in terms of、um, these kind of all all encompassing、mm-hmm. um, exhibitions, and in a way, I think part part of the res- part of the reason for doing it in a way was reading a number of kind of reviews of.、Um, Sullivan Nation and the ways in which they、um, were kind of sort of、um, myopic in their kind of views of the, of the work and the way in which they kind of celebrated the exhibition, but also、um, kind of denied、um, the ways in which the work in the show, a lot of the work in the show, or significant parts of the, the show, had been reprised is being reprised basically from other exhibitions. So with Solo Nation,、um, you can see connections with previous exhibitions that are taking place primarily in London,、um, like the Harlem Renaissance, Rhapsody in Black in、mm. 1997 at Haywood, and、um, Back to Black at Whitechapel in 2005 as part of Africa 05.、Um, and in a way, I think one of the issues with、um, Th- these these、um, survey shows, and also the places here, which is another show which of of、um, British artists, the problems the problems with these shows is all the the reception to them is that they the reception kind of propagates the kind of、um, what the show、um, denies in a way,、um, and that、um, that that we get these sort of partial、um, repeats of history and.、Um, In in the reviews that you get in the in predominantly in the mainstream media,、um, the reviews kind of celebrate and and speak and articulate the shows in ways as if they've just been discovered or the the workers has been discovered, and actually you could look at Sullivan Nation and you would see some works that had been exhibited previously、mm-hmm. in other exhibitions. So what does that mean in、mm-hmm. terms of? Um, what does it mean in terms of、um, exhibitions, and what does it mean in terms of how we、um, are viewing these exhibitions critically?、Um, and when I say critically, I don't mean just mean to, in terms of a, a negative. I just mean critically receiving them. And what does it mean in terms of having a show like Soul of a Nation,、um, which kind of 
in a way a different period but kind of in a way kind of reprises um you know um rhapsodies in black or back to black um without actually go drilling deeper into practice so we've had over the over the past two decades we've had a number of quite substantial shows by african-american artists yet um over the course of that time we're yet really to have um, a significant insight into any of the artists. Mm. I mean, obviously there have been exceptions where we've had shows such as Rusty Johnson at the South London Gallery or um, Fiesta Gates at White Cube. But in terms of history and in terms of these shows kind of seeming slightly skewed in relation to how the practices of the institutions that put them on ordinarily work. Mm -hmm. So in a way, to understand these shows... Um, whether it's Soul of a Nation or the places here, all you have to do really in a way is look at the exhibitions that precede them and and, and um, come after them. So um, with with the places here um, at South London Gallery that ran um, over the past few months, the show that followed it was um, Katharina Gross, a fantastic, great installation, painting show, um, and... The places here was uh, that's so it's one artist in this in this space, and um, the places here you had forty artists in this gallery, and that's that's a kind of pathological um, practice that's been going on for several decades. I mean, I think what's interesting with the shows that are happening now, with the Soul of Nation, with the kind of marketing packaging and everything seeming so seamlessly, effortlessly pointing towards a sort of celebration of culture and history. Um, it's different to what it was in the in the say for example in the 1980s when when these shows first started to emerge these sort of survey exhibitions because in those days I suppose these exhibitions were seen as a kind of almost begrudging um, way of kind of of dealing with a kind of new emerging practice um, um, constituency in Britain um, artistic um, constituency. Um, whereas now it's part of it's kind of tied in with the kind of general higher profile um dynamic of contemporary art mm -hmm. so you know obviously with um some with an institution like Tate modern where you've got the um the marketing and the sort of profile going back to these press reviews it's part of that kind of whole um system of um presenting these shows in a kind of uncritical way in a kind of a historical way and I've, and I, and it's kind of where's the kind of space for discussing um, not just in the sort of mundane way of who's in and who's not but in a way of not um, of discussing where, where this work or where these shows are actually going what they actually trying to trying to achieve I mean obviously you could argue what, what they are actually achieving in terms of um, for a broader pop populace if you like perhaps um, that um, um, these shows are kind of um, in terms of their marketing and their power um, through not just the institution but through the coverage they receive, they do um, afford, I suppose, a, a wider recognition of histories that may that may have not been known. But I think, you know, there there is kind of more problematic ways in which the narrative is kind of, the narrative of the show is kind of hidden mm -hmm. or, the, or the kind of the institutional narrative and the kind of uh, sort of motives of the show are, are hidden by um, 
by the reviews and i think that's kind of that's part of the kind of reason for 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 doing it and um for doing the for doing the article do you think it's entirely within the reviews themselves? Because I think you also mentioned the institution in a way. I feel that in some instances, and certainly the Tate, I think you, it's, it's worth pointing out that the Tate have, no, Tate have never really shown an African-American artist in a solo show over the entire time it's been open since 2000. And in a sense, are you also saying that the group show itself, in a way, like the Sullivan Nation, does it actually unpack some of the subjects that you wish to just, you're sort of raising really the civil rights issues and the other issues? Are they being sort of dealt with in a way that makes them transparent or uh, given a kind of messy or complicated picture? Um, well, I, th I mean, it's not quite true. I mean, they, the, the, the Tate did a couple of years ago, I think now, they did the Ellen Gallagher show. Oh, of course, um, yeah. Um, and um but i think it's more to do with how um this idea of 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 history and of and of and of art history and of exhibitions and this this sort of um tendency i mean you're, you're right it is to do with the institution primarily because it's the institution that generates them it's not the media i mean obviously that just exacerbates mm -hmm. the problem <laughs> in a sense um but it definitely is the institution and and the kind of the ways in which um these um this formula has been um decided upon and i just think you know going going to see sullivan nation um um obviously some works had been as i said were in other exhibitions but and it's great to see works but you know you i i mean personally i can't help but think when i walked in and saw the um, um norman um um norman i've forgotten his surname um when i saw his his um his his painting um um at the in the entrance um i i i um felt that norman lewis, norman norman lewis. lewis. sorry yes <laughs> norman lewis yeah um i felt and and also Romare bearden in that in that section these are two these are two sort of major figures and i think that i think that the exhibition doesn't help this idea of 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 not just in terms of what they they had to kind of endure and and try to try to get through in terms of working in America in terms of being artists and 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 developing their practice but I think these are kind of very important figures and I think to have the these two these works um in the in in the introduction it almost kind of like um diminishes the, the sort of sense of um history you know and i think in a way that kind of diminishing of history kind of goes against what the actual exhibition is saying mm -hmm. it, it, what what's important and i think that if you're saying that these artists are important and these artists are important in to understand american uh, uh, the history of art or contemporary art in america um if you're if that's kind of a, an important dimension of the show um there's something about having this kind of um, stack them high kind of um, um, approach to exhibitions, not just once, but over, you know, perpetually, it seems. Um, it, it's very problematic. Hmm. I mean, I agree with you. I thought the opening section of that show, the Romare Beden and the Norman Lewis works were incredible, powerful works, but somehow felt cramped and not really... Like given space to kind of into inter, inter, well work in a deeper way with the ex, the rest of the exhibition, or somehow there was 
there was some disconnect. It between... was a kind of microcosm of the problem of the wider show because you've got these these artists in this space that actually doubles as an introduction to the yeah. show, and then you've got the door that's open in all the time, and you've got these videos outside, you've got these kind of like archival films playing, and you've got these very distinctive voices of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, these these um, videos playing, and then you've got <laughs> Lewis, mm. and it's it's just. There was no space, literally, like yeah. physically and sort of almost like, you know, conceptually to think about this work and, and this idea of making these Norman Lewis's piece. It's an incredible piece because the way in which he he's trying to articulate things about painting, about colour in painting and abstraction and, and, and fig- figuration in terms of the painting kind of alluding to the kind of Ku Klux Klan, etc. I mean, it's an incredible yeah. painting to, to and in that space it just... You know, it just does, it, it's just diminished in a way. You know, and I think this is a kind of problem when you have a show that has to generate, you know, probably seventy artists and many more works, and then these kind of like different kind of moments of release when you've got a bigger space or more sort of um, embracing of like say someone like and Betty's R. Mm. But I think you know, I think it's a I think it's a kind of issue in terms of how. Um, this also a show like this and previous shows kind of normalized this approach to uh, to certain artists and certain practices and obviously and that's what you see in sort of so so the nation yeah i think getting back to the, the, these two different moments then because mm-hmm. the current moment really about the sort of rise or the sort of exponential growth it seems of uh black themed artist shows and then to counterpoint that the sort of in the 80s themselves when people like Lubaina Himmed were curating shows and so on how do these how do we do you want to talk about negotiating these i mean they're very clearly different but do you want to talk about how these two different moments may be being articulated in this in your future um, well, I mean, I think in a, in a way the the feature is very much about um, obviously the underlying narrative is that these these things aren't just of the moment they're they're things that are sort of habitual and perpetual and they're kind of are, are, are historical and the argument really you know in terms of citing um, 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 media coverage is that these things this kind of wider history is not kind of recognised and in a way when you're talking about these artists, American artists or British artists, the idea of it sort of being excised from history is a kind of perpetual problem. Mm. And it's not one that we can take for granted in terms of um, what we know and what we don't know in terms of practice and artists. And I think that's kind of something that um, we, um, in terms of the, in terms of the, um, in terms of the contemporary, um, the as I was saying at the beginning, this idea of the kind of the the survey show is not obviously a new idea, and it's something that was a, kind of approached in a in a similar way in in the eighties. Mm. But now it's become kind of much more valorized as a kind of legitimate sort of strategy for um, for kind of almost like dealing with certain types of practice. But actually, it's not drilling down into sort of histories in 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 a kind of in a more sort of I suppose in a more profound way or in a way in which is kind of um, more problematizing for the ways in which um, work is kind of um, um, kind of corralled into mm. these kind of groupings. Yeah, and you talk a little bit. I mean, you sort of say concurrent with that the sort of current show of Jean-Michel Basquiat. Also, even Arthur Jaffa, which was at the Serpentine, you sort of signpost these as moments maybe that situate themselves outside. Is that a fair? I think I think what what 
it, it again it's it's about reading reading these as kind of like these texts all these shows as texts in a way and, and trying to kind of decode what's going on and obviously Basquiat is someone who comparatively is quite well represented mm. in you know in in exhibitions in in, in Britain particularly well in London um, and I think this is probably his second big 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 sort of um, blowout show but I think um, I think it's that's kind of it's almost like a sort of because he's kind of obviously kind of almost like a not a, a mythological kind of figure now in mm. terms of you know dying young etc um but i'm i'm just wondering you know in terms of a wider more expansive view of um of practice you know artists like Romare Beards and Elizabeth Catlett these mm. are these are artists or uh, Archibald Motley these are artists who lived a long time i mean they weren't they didn't you know they lived a, a long time you know probably near near to 100 years old when they died you know and and i think um not to have seen any of this work in in britain or even someone like um um sam gilliam who had a, who had a major sort of retrospective in in, in america in the sort of i think it's about 2005 um when you see his work and you think you know the, in in soul of a nation the room that was called like experimentation mm. i mean it, you know it, to, just to sort of think what it could have been in terms of actually just focusing on a room. One yeah. of those rooms could have been a show, basically, exactly. you know. And and I think it's a shame because I think it's not just more. It's more than the shame. It's you know, it, it's 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 a bit rubbish, really. Because I think um, that's what that's what is required, really, in terms of um, what galleries should do. You know, in terms of um, offering. A kind of more expansive and, and and challenging people's perceptions because I think this just kind of like panders to this. I mean, it's in culture more generally. I think in terms of how um, I suppose sort of um, um, the sort of black persona is presented and this kind of all inclusive, all kind of homogenized kind of entity. And I think these shows, although they're kind of dressed up as um, celebrations of history, mm. I think they're, they're 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 kind of problematic in terms of not actually thinking about sort of detour histories or conflicts in history and practice. And um, I mean, I saw, I think when Rashid Johnson had a show at the South London Gallery a few years ago, he'd selected some work up and upstairs and he had a couple of um, a couple of pieces by Sam Gilliam, his, his drape paintings. And, and, and I think, you know, it, it just, just seems very strange and very sort of skewed in terms of artists not having that sort of space um, and the possibilities of what can happen. So when I was saying this thing about when you look at, to understand these shows in a way, it's not just to look at the shows themselves, it's to look at the programmes around them. Mm. So, you know, with um, Katharina Gross at um, South London Gallery, you know, this is this show that's on now, or um, the Kabakov show that's coming up at yeah. Tate, you know, and that actually ironically runs alongside a survey show, a kind of survey show, um, Red Star over Russia. Yeah. You know, so, you know, these things are happening, you know, this, yes. there's an awareness mm. of this. And so there's something kind of strategic and something kind of strategic that's dressed up in kind of the kind of curating of these shows that that is that is um, permitting this kind of framing of, of practice that's kind of problematic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, it, I think it's certainly interesting talking about these rises in certain peaks in certain troughs of uh, transparent or what becomes visible, for instance, at the moment, the Russian art and so on. Um, you also mentioned um, the sort of diaspora pavilion at the Venice Biennale, mm. and you had to, you take some issue with the way in which it sort of frames or sort of disregards certain elements or kind of um, 
sort of ring fences the identities of those involved. Mm. Do you want to talk about the, the problematics of that? And you also yeah. maybe go on to talk about Enwenza's, uh, Okwe Enwenza's previous Biennale as well. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think obviously that's that's kind of like the, the group show um, the serve, kind of, serve, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's not a survey show in a sense, but it's kind of the same sort of ethos, and and it's this sort of ethos of kind of the of the kind of, um, I mean, obviously in my article I, I, I describe it as a sort of ethnic art show, and it kind of pains me to say that, but I think the problem is is that again that's kind of in a way that the Kabakov is the next show at Tate. This um, diaspora pavilion kind of follows on from Okunweza's um, exhibition which in which artists aren't sort of um, ring fence and, and um, brought in in, in in significant numbers. I mean, I think that um, it's about questioning these formulations yeah. um, in, in terms of with the diaspora pavilion, I mean, the thing that strikes me is that the selection of artists, I mean, the numbers of artists, and then most of the artists are from London, mm. you know. And so that, again, yeah. you know, contradicts this idea of the diaspora and this kind of idea of questioning, if you really are questioning that whole premise of um, of, of Venice and the pavilion, then then you've got to question it in a, in a kind of global sense. It, mm. may, it would make sense to do that, to kind of bring that that discourse in or that practice in or bring it into question in terms of um, redu- you know, having a different kind of formula in terms of how artists um, exhibit in that space. Um, and with the Aspera Pavilion, it seems that this idea of the kind of service show is, is then brought is exported, you know, mm. on, a, on a global stage. So then that, in, in, in another way, um, kind of presents this um, a kind of globalised version of what happened on a national scale, yeah. you know. And, and, and again, and I think these things, it's, you know, obviously we could ask why these things happen, but the, the, the issue, the issue um, for me is that um, there are, there are other ways that there has to be or they sh- they they should be sort of um um more um i suppose productive ways in which to frame practice practice because you know I, um with the the diaspora pavilion just to sort of present a kind of a ensemble of work um and we don't know what the connections are between mm. the work there's this kind of generalized idea of what it might challenge um but I'm not so I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Well, we might have to cut you short yeah, just yeah. there for the moment. Um, but we certainly have overlaps coming up because uh, Maria Walsh, who actually reviewed the places here, the show that was at Nottingham Contemporary, which travelled to South London Gallery uh, later this year, uh, well, earlier this year, um, uh, you reviewed that for us. But you also cover a, sh- uh, a book by uh, Leon Wainwright. Um, let me get my page here. Uh, uh, phenomenal difference. difference, a philosophy of black British art. So, in a sense, there is numerous overlaps here, uh, clearly. Um, Maria, this this sort of tries to, as you say, takes a transversal reading uh, of incompatible bodies of work, uh, looking at sort of the phenomenology, uh, which I sort of associate more with Molu Ponti, etc., and tries to pin that or map that against a sort of black British art discourse. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the sort of the book itself and how Leon Wainwright approaches this this subject? Yeah, well, um, you know, if one wants to think, I think this book is, um, I mean, 
you know, I've got lots of positive things to say about it in the review. But uh, the one of the main problems, though, is the methodology. And I say that word deliberately because it's almost like there's a kind of a research. It's very well researched, mm. but there is a kind of a research exercise here as well, which is to identify a methodology, which uh, here is phenomenology and um, and use this as from, an, you know, it's an, another discipline to um, I mean, it's it's admirable to want to, as I say in the review, to he he wants to apply, which I mean, he wants to apply um, this philosophical methodology to what he calls Black British artist work. Uh, certainly, the ethos of this is to break open the separatist straitjacket that has kept this work in various uh, categorical boxes mm -hmm. of uh, identity um, identity and cultural politics. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, so uh, you know, I think this is... So I thought, oh, this is actually a very exciting project because there are things in phenomenology that uh, could be interesting here. Yeah. Um, however, phenomenology is a problematic uh, branch of philosophy for anyone who, well, in the contemporary world. Yeah. However, it's always very attractive as well to people like... Uh, um, who want to try and question the master discourse that phenomenology uh, tried to question but also promulgated within itself. So phenomenology does have some openings, so that's why it could be a useful methodology. However, it's like uh, the book applies this very literally and uh, takes substantial amounts from um, mainly Merleau-Ponty, mm -hmm. uh, but some Husserl. Um, and, I mean, these, I don't think, well, Merleau-Ponty and Husserl are not compatible themselves. Um, and there isn't really an interrogation of the methodology. That that was my yeah. main, that was one of my main problems. Um, and in a way, that was, I, even though, the, uh, you know, lots of times reading the book, I'm sort of saying, oh, yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, that, you know, it's about time someone did this, etc. But I'm all the time haunted by um, the a lot of pro yeah a lot of problems and suspicion about if you're going to use such a methodology, you can't just apply it blank from you know it's like from the um, early twentieth century you know mm. earlier uh, like there was a lot of early twentieth century uh, artistry used phenomenology. Because uh, and that was you know about sort of particularly in relation to kind of abstract or painting, mm. and it was a kind of you could do that because it was just gesture and you know mark making. It didn't really have a, a subject, but of course it did have a subject, which is the unspoken subject, uh, you know, yeah. the, the universal subject. Yeah. Um, so phenomenology is always, even though it tries to bring in other. Uh, aspects of subjectivity into its uh, discourse, it's always bounded by ultimately the cogito, which is the universal uh, and white sense, male the, subject, yeah, actually, exactly. of, Western, yeah. of Western discourse. So and, and ultimately this book is trying to unpick that or kind of Well, the book doesn't unpick interject. that, but uses that, but tries to unpick the its other yeah. 
<laughs> by, but doesn't interrogate the methodology in its unpick. So in fact, it then, in a way, if you say that uh, the universal uh, subject uh, of Western discourse always has another, mm-hmm. the other is uh, race, gender, the outside. Um, so you, you can't just then apply that to work and subjectivities who might want to be doing something different, even though he is applying this methodology to show that they are doing something different. So it's complicated. Yes. <laughs> so there's so in so you know that's why I was going yes no yes no yes, as I'm reading the push pull relationship yeah. to the actual approach yeah. to the subject. Yeah, because yes. They are doing, you know, and why why not? But then, you know, why not look at perception in relation yeah. to um, Sonia Boyce's yeah. work? Because, you know, um, why not? But mm-hmm. then if you're going to do that, then you need to kind of, well, define what perception is. Um, yeah, on a different, do you mean in a, a different, se- in, a in different, a different way? Or in a different in a, way. Yeah. Because um, in, a, in effect, you, you sort of level it as a, it's actually quite straightforward, almost the ultimate, the outcome of that. The outcome became straightforward. This was the problem because the method wasn't interrogated. There's a kind of, you know, uh, some really nice writing, but quite, um, quite straightforward. But I would call, I mean, he does say that, I mean, in phenomenology, yes, there is a kind of a part of uh, Molo Ponti's writing. There is an element of description. Uh, and description is part of a phenomenological method. However, um, it can't begin or end with description. Mm. As you say. Of, of yeah. I, I mean, literally, he identifies, you know, the figures and the motifs in the painting or in the in the drawings, mm. in her pastel drawings. But I would say that, um, well, that can relate to a perceptual apparatus uh, but it's certainly not the same perceptual apparatus which he uh, that Husserl and there are this is preceded by quotations from Husserl about the subject um, and he uses the term bracketing a lot, which is the phenomenological bracketing of the object to reach the essence, the truth of the object, which in turn reifies the cogito as yeah. a law unto himself. <laughs> and is bracketing then? Is well, that, I mean, that, I'm, this yeah. isn't so far as like because it because it keeps coming up. Yeah. I looked it up one time and then I sort of came up with my own use. You know, I yeah. put it into I've done something else with. Yes. It, I mean, but it is it's to do with you have to eradicate extraneous um, influences. And it's 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 self-reflexivity, really. Yeah. But a kind of imp- looking at uh, well, uh, objectivity, but not imp- not in an empirical sense. Anyway. I was more of a Merleau-Pontian. Like, that's why I don't go with Husserl because there's nothing in that for me, uh, the, the, the transcendental mm. cogito. Uh, Julia Chris Davis says that's the, that's the, uh, that's where Husserl ends ultimately. So, uh, well, I was more interested in Merleau-Ponty because certainly coming from ideas about feminist uh, approaches, embodiment, embodied subjectivity. Merleau-Ponty does provide various openings in which you could read other kinds of perceptions, affects, ways of being in the world in relation to a kind of, um, some people might call it intersubjectivity or certainly a kind of a dialogic 
Mm. Dialogic relations. Murdo Ponti wouldn't use the term dialogic. He has other terms, which actually uh, one of his main and most exciting terms is uh, in the book. Mer a lot of Murdo Ponti's concepts are used as titles to the chapters. So uh, reversibility is what Murdo Ponti mm. uses instead of uh, dialogic. But it's it is certainly a very exciting concept, and it. Could, you know, so I think there's more work to be done here. Um, I think it's very interesting, but there are people, you know, there are other uh, people who, you know, have tried to grapple with what might be how one might think about um, raced subjectivities and phenomenology. I mean, you can't just, you know, become. You can't just say it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It or it doesn't exist. You know, mm. uh, it does. Uh, and yeah. you have, but how can we maybe think about it differently? Richard, let's ask a question. Yeah, I was in, in, interested in your in your review and also this idea, um, um, obviously because you read the book. Um, this idea, the, this sort of definition of, um, because in in my article the, the use the word black arts used quite a lot, but mm. I think it, it has to be qualified because I think it's it's bandied around a lot. I mean, I use it in a way, the kind of not ironic way, but. But is there a kind of critique of that? Because in a way, you can almost talk about that phenomenologically <laughs> in terms of what it means. You know, what because there exactly. are histories which are, are yet really to be, or are, have been rarely mined in terms of what it means because people talk about it now as shorthand. Mm. But but does it does that get explored at all in terms of because that in itself is a is a well is, that's is a book a, in itself. I mean, yeah. not not to my like, not uh, not enough uh, for my liking, uh, which is why in my review I I put it around uh, you know quotation mm. marks and that it's the term is re he, he, he does a very good job of laying out the kind of in the int in the kind of introductory chapter uh, some of the uh, debates from I think uh, mainly from. Well, the 80s and 90s, mm. Cobain and Mercer, mm. and mm. Uh, particularly, I think, a lot of the, and, a lo and uh, Stuart Hall, etc. But it's more about, but whenever he refers to, that's the other thing, the term um, black British artists kept on just being reiterated mm. throughout mm. the book without really a sufficient, I mean, the author is, has done a lot of other work. I mm. mean, I... Uh, uh, have since you know checked uh, checked out and much more specific mm. uh, to do with different identities. Mm. But in this book, this term is is used all the time mm. as kind of like a collective assemblage. On the one, it's almost like it mirrors the kind of way the methodology is this kind of blanketing application onto specific artists, um, and then. At the same time, then you have these certain specific artists are singled out, but in general, it's all um, black British artists, mm. and they kind of, uh, yeah. So they kind of, when it, when they assemble within the book in that way, there isn't really a sense of what you mm. were talking about, which is like histories or digging deeper. In some ways, like less is more. I mean, you could have less artists and mm. more um, background because. Yes, if you're already ensconced in these debates, I think that for someone who's read all of the, you know, uh, arguments actually between, um, say, Mercer, Hall, they all had different ideas about, you know, this, uh, then maybe, you know, uh, maybe one has a different approach. But 
Yeah, I, I don't think it's it, it's not qualified enough. And then there's there is a really good chapter on this artist uh, Sonia Kurana, but there would have been you know, it comes near the end of of the book, and she gets a whole chapter uh, to herself, um, and much more room, let's say. So there is really a discussion of phenomenological uh, perception and or being in relation to her work but then her work I think lends itself to that because some work generally does lend itself to more phenomenological analyses but some work does not it may yeah, this work you know sort of touches on sort of you say skin, skin breathing, breathing texture very and yeah. the, cl the videos are there like well from I have actually seen a couple of them actually because um, an art historian at the a couple of years ago at, at uh, the White Chapel at a symposium there had gave a paper on her work and had some uh, footage but there's some great illustrations as well color actually uh, lots of them in the book and that they're all cropped so they're very close up to the skin so i mean this this is you know it's it's uh, it i mean i don't want to just say it's a trope to dismiss it but it is a trope of uh, the you know the close up the body this kind of haptic um sensibility so you know there's all that there but then um there is a kind of you think well why is she here though okay because i mean she she's she did an ma at the royal college in london in, in the late 90s um but she didn't stay in britain so the, you know it's like yeah i mean she's an international yeah. um artist based in um I can't recall offhand, but uh, I did read a bit more about her. But uh, basically, um, so she's so, you know, there isn't really a sense of who she was talking to or looking at or and it was only a couple of years and lots. I mean, that's what, you know, dare I say, that's what we all, you know, we come to places like London from all over the world. And, you know, we might stay or we might not. But then that's. Uh, that needs unpacking and certainly the diaspora pavilion might have considered that a bit more be given that it's um well it it was partly <laughs> uh funded or UAL had something to do with it as well oh, that's so, right yeah that's so right. it had a some kind of you know it did come from the univers the universities the london universities so again this kind of london centric kind of thing that you were mentioning in your feature but yeah so I mean, so ultimately, while I enjoyed lots of things about the book, uh, I was disappointed because I am interested in uh, subjectivity and phenomenology and challenging that really. And certainly people like in film, I mean, he does mention all of these references in footnotes, but Laura U. Marx uh, looked at sort of um, uh, what she calls a kind of... Um, intercultural cinema mm -hmm. um, uh, in relation to uh, some ideas from Merleau-Ponty but like Amelia Jones in art history you can't just use she, they, they don't use it straight if you see what I mean they don't just uh, use it straight it has to be either it has to, you have to kind of say which bit you're taking and why mm -hmm. it's okay to take that because mm -hmm. otherwise I mean you know Merleau-Ponty has been critiqued by feminists in particular because he leaves out uh, the premise of his whole 
philosophy really is <laughs> the maternal. <laughs> But that's another topic. But it, it, I mean, the whole it, it's it is it's almost which is why he's very suitable to think about uh, Sonia Karana's work, because a lot of it is to do with the mother daughter, almost the umbilical relation. Mm. So that relation between two. But that could be really interesting to think about some other practices like Sonia Boyce, which he almost does in relation to one uh, particular pastel. But Again, like the shows maybe that you were mentioning and I looked at the places here, mm. which was overwhelming in terms of, you know, reading, literally. You had to, not just the works, I mean, the ar not just the archive, but the works. It was all read. There was so much and you were kind of in this, you know, miasma. Um, uh, yes, that there's just not enough space. Yes. And we are running out of space on that point and uh, we have to move on to Isabel um, and uh, who has been to Gothenburg to review the biennial Where Do I End and You Begin on Circularity uh, which is created by NavHack uh, and it was spread over 12 venues um, you sort of open your review sort of debating or sort of opening up this premise between secularism and its sort of instrumentalism or in how it's being instrumentalized by the far right and how in fact secularity perhaps offers a different mode of thinking through these uh, works. Um, do you want to start with that or maybe some of the works um, wherever you wish to land in this well, I, I kind of want to redirect to the two other speakers because I was very interested in what they had to say and maybe I can come back to that, yeah, okay. which is a kind of disjunct between researching around artists and then research methodologies or research frameworks, which seems to be the, the kind of core issue where, when those things jar, when research and research frameworks jar, seems to be at, at the kind of centre of your or, uh, Maria's review and Richard's feature. And I just, you know, I'm conscious of time, but I also, for me... Um, thought um, well, Richard's article um, in particular found um, incredibly interesting and useful and timely because there are so many um, at the moment in London. It feels like a lot of uh, exhibitions of of um, both uh, black art, well, a solo and group exhibitions of black artists, and just questioning wh what is it uh, in this moment, and how do we maintain without um, you know fetishizing or objectifying uh, a kind of black experience? So I, um, I suppose to answer your question, Chris, quickly, um, uh, the the this. Um, Gothenburg Biennial, which I found um, overall incredibly interesting and uh, incredibly, um, uh, I mean, really strong selection of works. Um, but that this distinction between secularism and secularity isn't something that I uh, um, decided upon. It's the 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 organisers and the curators of the biennial are very clear that it's secularity mm -hmm. uh, that they are interested in. Um, and I, I visited a few biennials this summer and by far this was the most um, sort of rigorous in its uh, in its uh, use of a term and then its exploration in a variety of ways in a way that wasn't claustrophobic to the works involved. In many ways, and I think I allude to it in the article, there was strange liaisons between work. I don't feel like it was really curated on the ground. That said, the works that were selected were um, really, really strong and reflected on this term in uh, in the in 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 in. in, in um, in a diverse way that's fitting mm. to a kind of theme of how we get along together. Um, so there was some really strong 
uh, relationships between works and a, and a great many surprises. Um, I think, I, you know, the, the biennial, I'm not sure there's maybe 40 artists in it. And I mentioned probably eight in the in the article and they're all my highlights. Yeah. And without wanting to go into the works that I found less stimulating, um, I think I'd just, you know, hold fast on what I what I included. I suppose another thing worth mentioning is that this Gothenburg is um, uh, this Gothenburg biennial is a, it's a kind of institutional endeavor, but it's backed by um, the um, Valland Academy and um there is, it's not, I think there's three publications coming with the Biennial, but one of them is this, I think, peer-reviewed Paris journal. I'm not sure if it's peer-reviewed. Anyway, it's a Paris journal, and it included um, essays by a great many practitioners from, I don't like the word practitioners, but there we go. Um, it's it's kind of effective in this term because there's everything from theologians to um, uh to um, artists, curators, academics, mm-hmm. um, and really not—it's—it's a—it's a, it's a, a publication that really holds a lot of ideas, some of which are contradictory to one another. Um, but that really underpinned uh, the biennial in a very strong way, and I suppose, um, I suppose, uh, you know, some some of these works, you know, were very strong. I'm happy to speak about them individually. Yeah, I think. Let's have a, a quick let's have a quick run through some of the sh- some of the works on show. I mean, you mentioned numerous artists: uh, Heg Yang, um, Santiago Mostyn. Uh, you also mentioned the work of um, the sort of Olivia Plinder and Syl Steril. Um, do you want to talk about some of those works? Because that is actually quite intriguing. Some of those, those the works. relationships yeah. between these works. Yeah. Um, I, su- I suppose on the face of things, Olivia Plinder's work um, uh, is very different from. Um, who do I contrast it with here? Uh, Surreal's work. Yeah. Um, so Olivia's is about um, this uh, kindred of the Cabo Kift. It's a series of drawings. Um, and I suppose it shows a kind of downward spiral of what started out yeah. as a kind of utopian youth movement into something that's very militarized and looks very kind of fascist in its presentation. And it's a series of drawings that she makes presumably from an archive of photography uh, of, at different meetings of this group over the course of, I'm not sure the historic period, but maybe 10 years, perhaps uh, slightly longer. Um, and then I suppose my interest was it in how um, uh, Scylla Storila, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name right, was making uh, videos about attempted, um, uh, she made two videos about, uh, well, Michael Kearns is a central figure and I only look at one of the works in the exhibition, but uh, about a, a, a project by gay activist Don Johnson uh, who wanted a, um, a gay male, co- to set up a gay male community in an Alpine, uh, Alpine County uh, in the US in 1970. Um, and I suppose, uh, and I think, I think Scylla uh, uh, or Sterilla is a very uh, sophisticated uh, filmmaker because while it's not a spoken reflection within the work, while it's not didactic or, or, or kind of presented within a voiceover, there's a sense while you're looking at the work, there's this question that I had of what if this utopian project had together, who would that exclude? Um, and yeah, so I suppose, and I tried to, mm. I mean, very uh, swiftly allude to, you know, this is the way of theism when secularity becomes deep fried, mm. it can turn into something very um, sort of belligerent and and, and closed, uh, uh, you know. I just, uh, um, I suppose, the this kind of Don Jackson's project risked being, you know, particularly for kind of gay white uh, yeah. man, rather than being open to other 
uh, people who identify within, uh, you know, expanded categories of non-normative. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, LGBTQIA, uh, I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's that, that uh, term is expanding as well. Um, I thought a highlight, I think two highlights for me, again, were moving image works. Uh, I tend to gravitate towards moving image works anyway, but these were particularly strong. And one was Santiago Mostyn's uh, work, which he, um, it was a, um, it was a projection of um, called Citizen, um, and uh, this um, was where the artist, uh, I think, attached to his chest a camera as he rode across um, uh, uh, from the Dilek Peninsula in Turkey to Samos in Greece, um, which is obviously a kind of refugee or a path of migrants or a, a kind of shipping route of, of, of migrants. And um, uh, it was very, very silent work. I don't think I, I wrote about it in the in the article, but there is no soundtrack. You just hear the waves lapping against the boat. And in this way, it sort of reminds me of a Bastian Adder or some deeply mm-hmm. poetic kind of conceptual work. And yet, um, it's so resonant the um, crossing that he's 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 he you know this this kind of crossing. And um, and for me, there's a, a a variety of meanings that you can read into this work. It's completely non didactic, but it's so. Uh, rich and, pro- and and kind of um, it, it's so rich it's so it's so meaningful and um, I'd known uh, Santiago's work for a number of years and I think this is a really um, a really uh, uh, strong strong work uh, by him and I think you know I think would expect uh, many strong works from him still to come and then I suppose the other video work which I sort of end in was this uh, Dmitry Zvenkov video I wanted to be happy in the USSR which was one of the offside projects, and I think benefited from being an offside project. So there was two very populated Kunsthallas as the kind of central venues, and then there was a series of smaller offsite um, projects or you know mm-hmm. non-institutional spaces. And this was in a multi-level uh, charity shop. It was installed in a small, uh, intimate corner of uh, the kind of bookshop um, uh, uh, corner of the of the charity shop, and just with a few sofas and quite an enclosed space and it was really uh, an incredible work it's very um, very affecting Uh, there's a a violence to it Dimitri is an artist who spent I think five or six years making this work with this family Um, and um, it was essentially about kind of uh, the brutality of racism in Russia and uh, the sort of uh, gratuitous violence that many uh, families are experiencing very actively. Um, the project of trying to escape from those conditions, the difficulty, how Europe is essentially not an open and receptive, um, uh, uh, you know, um, la- place. Um, yeah, you talk about the, how they try to, you know, cross over into Norway and due to sort of... Um, uh, well, because uh, they, they, they jeopardized relations between these two oil-producing neighbors, uh, they couldn't grant access to this family. Mm. That's, so it, it shows you, the, as you're saying, these sort of closed borders yeah. uh, within Europe. Yeah, and it, uh, obviously it's a kind of um, kind of observational documentary that follows a family yeah. as they're experiencing, rather than as we might kind of read it through um, through policy. But um, uh, but also how it underscores. So, the religious aspect you talk about. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably, I mean, that's not the, that's a kind of minor note um, within, and that's its, perhaps it's kind of link into the exhibition, but it's still, um, you know, there are a variety of themes within this work that are worthy of discussion. Um, And and in many ways, you know, I think we saw it 
quite late in the day, but mm. I mean, any possibility of seeing any other work afterwards was abandoned. I very swiftly, with another art critic, went to have a drink and just talk about some of the issues within the work. And I think that's, you know, um, I mean, that's a really... Yeah, an important... Important aspect yeah. of making art and of making mm. exhibitions. And it really made me think, God, this is an important distribution channel, mm. you know? This is a, a kind of real, like it's a it's a privileged art world in many ways. But to see works like that, which would not be broadcast in any kind of mass or even regulated media, to see it in the kind of biennial is really important. And I hope, you know, we'll see more of his, more work. Of his work. Certainly. Um, I, I'm aware that we are drawing to the end of the program. Um, I just wonder at this point, does anyone else have any thoughts or comments to make about each other's work. I know, Isabel, you had numerous thoughts, but uh, maybe we can discuss those off air. But uh, do you have any quickly? Well, yeah, I suppose yeah. it was this question about when research jars with research me methodologies, and I'm particularly interested, and maybe this is a follow-up conversation or a follow-up you know, in conversation or article, but just about kind of research strategies going forward. Um, I think, you know, is it that is it that, that Tate show, just to use an example, could be filleted? Do we think about why aren't three, four, five people group shows, you know, opening up um, liaison, but also, you know, greater kind of historical context on shows like this. I'm not sure if you want to pick that up. Um, no, I think it's a good point. I mean, I think, um, I mean, one of the one of the points I kind of I, I mentioned in, in the article is this is this kind of historical recovery that's been taking place in America with a number of artists. And I think there is extensive research there is extensive research that has happened in terms of artists and, and, and recovering practice. And I think um, these shows, that's the kind of part of, part of the issue that, that despite all these other shows that have happened, that, that they don't kind of materialise in, in, in Britain in a way. I mean, that's kind of the issue. So you've had these major projects, oh, exhibitions of Norman Lewis or um, Archibald Motley, um, um, Sam Gilliam, and these these are the sorts of shows I think that would would benefit, you know, or would, could benefit um, the kind of c cultural landscape in Britain if if they were here rather than these kind of like um, sorts of kind of kind of job lot kind of exhibitions I think, which kind of um, um, reduce rather than expand yeah. knowledge. I think they yeah. kind of reduce knowledge and perception. Yeah. Okay, well I have to draw a close there to the program, but that just leads me to thank you, uh, Maria. Uh, Isabel and Richard, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, to listeners, you can pick up some of these discussions uh, in the current issue of the magazine. That's the October issue. Uh, excuse me. Thank you and good night.